All right, so last week we started a series we're calling that will finish out the rest of this year, hashtag asking for a friend. And what we're trying to do is dive into some of these tough questions about the faith or maybe questions you have when it comes to our faith that maybe we don't always talk about. And so last week my dad had the privilege to talk about how do you know God's plan? How do you know God's plan? And I think what was so cool about that is just being available and learning to be in a relationship with him. Continuing to know more about Jesus, spend time with Jesus, he'll direct your path. It's great. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. But this week, we're going to take another question. Um, and one, we, it kind of relates to where we just came from, and it's this idea of sex before marriage. Sex before marriage. And I think this can be kind of a tricky one. It can be uncomfortable for sure because it's like, okay, I showed up to church usually to hear some type of message that's probably in like Ephesians or something or maybe Galatians, but now I'm showing up and I have to listen to Taylor talk about sex for the next 20 minutes. Trust me, you need to hear this. You're looking at a culture that we're in right now and sex is everywhere. And if you don't know how to navigate this culture in the way that God calls us to, you're going to get lost really quick. You're going to get lost really quick. And so we're going to look at this idea. But, but as we begin, I want you to see, um, I bought, brought this from my parents' house. If you can't see back there, this is an iPod Touch. I don't know what generation it is. I don't know. But this is, this is an old iPod Touch. Back in the day, people used to use these as phones. They get a little texting app on them and they wouldn't but they couldn't call but but that was the thing back in the day so back in the day these things came out i remember when when i was in high school um i bought my parents got me an ipod classic those are the ones that kind of are the same size a little fatter and they still had the like scrolly thing that you that's how you move through the songs and you you pressed up and that was the menu and so forth but but when that first came out i think i i got it for three hundred dollars was that iPod Classic? It was 120 gigabyte. It was crazy because nobody even had iPods that with that much space on them. You could put so many songs on them. It was unreal. But this came out at some point, and I think what's very interesting is when this iPod first came out, a five gigabyte, I don't know what this one is, five gigabyte started at $400. $400 for this, and only five gigabytes. Five gigabytes is very, very small in our world that's digital. Now, a 16 gigabyte, which is almost, or it is tripled in a little more, is 199. 199. It may even be lower than that. I don't know. But, but you've seen that for some reason, way back here, this little five gigabyte iPod Touch comes out, and it was $400. How, now that we're... However many years later, you get almost trip, over tripled the size and storage, and it's almost $200 cheaper. What, why, why is this so much cheaper now than it was back then? And, and I think, as we probably all know, just, just like an iPod, now we all have phones that we pretty much put all of our music on anyways, so we don't need iPods, is we see that when all these things first came out, there wasn't a plethora of them. There wasn't... They weren't everywhere. They weren't easily available. They weren't easily accessible. And so they started at such a higher price because they were more valuable. There was something about them not being so easily accessible to everybody 
that they were so expensive. When the first TVs came out, way back when, you know, some of these small little TVs were like close to $1,000 plus just for these little TVs that weren't even flat screens. They were those old tube TVs that had the big thing out the back because nobody could access them. They were just being created. They were just new. So, so the price of them was more because it was so valuable because not everybody could get one. You look back at any different invention that we have technology-wise, you're going to see if you just read about how the price just continues to drop over time because now we can get on Amazon and buy just about anything and it doesn't matter. We can buy a microwave that back then it was a little more expensive because not everybody had a microwave. We can buy a TV that's probably even on Black Friday and get TVs for like $300 right now. When back then they were $1,000 because there was a value to them that they weren't so accessible. We're living in a culture where we're seeing sex everywhere. It's common. It's just kind of the heartbeat of our culture. And, and so I think what's scarier is, is it can be scary to talk about that. What's even more scarier is it's just the common thing. It's just the common thing. If you were to go up and talk to somebody about sex before marriage, they would probably say, yeah, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to live together? Sure. Before you get married, I, I don't see anything wrong. The, the, it, it's weird if you don't. I remember uh, Shannon telling me right before we got married, she was getting her hair done, her nails done, one of the, the two um, for the wedding, and she was talking to the person about how she was getting married, and, and she thought it was so weird that we weren't living together. It was so weird because the culture says, well, well if you're in a relationship then in that relationship, you should be showing the physical side of love. You should be having sex outside of marriage because that's what you do when you love somebody. And so now we're caught in this tension right now that, that the culture saying, go ahead and do this. That's what we're supposed to do. It's fine. No big deal. And God's over here saying, no, 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 no. This is how I designed you. This is the way it's supposed to be. And so we're caught in the middle, pulled to both sides saying, okay, how do we get this through our head? I want to obey God and see what he says, but I understand where the culture's coming from. And I kind of agree with them in a sense. So, so where do I go from here? How do, how, do I, how do I know which side to go to? And I, I just have to say, you have to be honest with yourself because I guarantee each and every one of you, because I did it myself are in here in the middle and you know what God says is right, but there's something in you that still wants to do this. There's something in you that says, I don't want to listen to what God says because I want to experience what all of my friends are experiencing. I want to experience this side that people tell me about that's so good. Even though God says it's designed for marriage, I still, I still want to go this way. And so we're caught in this tension and we're wrestling with, what do we do with this? How do we process when the culture is just pushing it on us and God's sitting over here and people in the church are trying to tell us, no, don't do it outside of marriage. And I think hopefully what I want to try to bring clarity to is I don't want to give you the answer that stands up here and says, don't have sex before marriage because that's what the Bible says. I hope to kind of shed light that will open your eyes a little bit as I was looking at this this week and go, wow, that totally makes sense now. It's not just this answer of no, no, no. But, but there's, there's something in Scripture that really brings clarity of why we're not supposed to. And so I want to unpack this main idea for the next few minutes, this idea that sex is valuable. You have to see it. It's just like the iPod. 
When, when it wasn't accessible, when it was hard to get a hold of, when nobody could get it, it was very more pricey. It was very much more pricey than it is today because there was value to it. People couldn't get it. We need to hold this idea in high standard and see the value in it if someday down the road we're going to experience it in marriage. So let me blow your mind here for a second. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 13 says this. I think this is in the Passion Translation, so... It's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. Some have said, I eat to live and I live to eat, but God will do away with it. Here's, here's, here's the verse I'll blow your mind. The body was not created for illicit sex, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus who can fill the body with himself. If you don't know what this word illicit means, is like forbidden. Um, not allowed. The body was not created for sex outside of marriage. Just like you got to put this in context of what the verse is saying. It says, okay, we say that we experience true freedom. It allows us to do anything. But not everything we do in that freedom is good. Yeah, sure, you have freedom. You have freedom to do whatever you want. You may get in trouble by your parents for some of those things you choose to do, or you may get in trouble by other people, but sure, you do have the freedom to do whatever you want. But everything that we do is not always good for us to do. Just like I say, hey, I'm hungry, I'm going to go get one of those family meals from McDonald's and eat the whole thing. I don't think that's really going to be very good for me, because it's like, I don't know, like five cheeseburgers, 20 different nuggets, four fries, a drink. I mean, it's ridiculous. You would say, Taylor, okay, you're hungry. You know, go get a sandwich and then you'll probably be good. Just because I'm hungry doesn't mean I, that the best decision is to go get this family meal, eat all the food because I'm going to feel terrible after. It just doesn't make sense. So he's saying here, Paul's saying, okay, so you can do whatever you want. Some of the decisions you make, uh, they're not good for you. Just like... Some say I have to eat, I eat to live, and I live to eat, but God will do away with them. They're going to go away. The body was not created for illicit sex. The body wasn't designed for that. It's just like this. I got this lock. Let's start putting these locks on my gates since our dog got out. I've told you the story when he got out, so I put these locks on our gate. So if I came here, and I, I gave you this lock, and I said, okay, Here's your ring full of keys. Figure out which one. So you go through and you start going through. You say, okay, uh, this one it kind of fits, but no. And try this one maybe. You go, okay. Oh, and it fits. But when I turn it, it doesn't, it doesn't go. Why? Because this key was not designed for this lock. No matter how many times I put the key inside of here, it's never going to turn it because it was not designed to turn this lock. As soon as I put the right key in there, it opens it right away. Why? Because this key was designed for this lock. And I think what we're doing in our culture is we're saying, okay, sex outside of marriage, no big deal. And so we're putting the key that fits inside the lock and we go, wow, you know, it fits, but we keep trying to turn it and nothing's happening. And we're like, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm not enjoying the sex outside of marriage. I don't understand why we had such a good relationship when we were dating, and then all of a sudden we let this enter into the equation, and now I don't know if I really like her. Now I don't know if I really like him. 
I don't even know if I want to spend any more time with him. Actually, I feel like I probably just want to break up with him. And we're like, how does that make any sense? Something that's so valuable, we're doing that. Yet, the locks still staying locked. Why? Because I believe, as Paul is saying here, the body was not designed to have sex outside of marriage. So what we're trying to do is use something that was designed for marriage and trying to use it outside of marriage, which is not the design of it. Your body can't take it. It's not just the spiritual side. Physically, your body can't take it because it was not designed to do that. It was designed in a relationship in the covenant of marriage to do that sort of thing. And we're taking it out of what we're trying to put the key inside the lock and it's not turning. And we're going, this doesn't make any sense because you weren't designed for it. Sex is one of the most vulnerable things you do with somebody in the covenant of marriage. Sex, you you give your heart, you give your soul, you give your emotions, you put your life in that person's hand. And our bodies were not designed to get that attached and then break up and rip it away. We just keep giving pieces of our heart to people. The more and more we do something like this, and so then all of a sudden we go, why can't we just, why can't I handle love anymore? Why do I never want to be in a relationship anymore? Because you've been broken and broken and broken because you've tried to fill this relationship with something it wasn't designed for. So in a culture that's pushing sex everywhere, God's telling us that the reason I don't want you to have it is because you can't handle it. You weren't designed for it. Stop trying to put the key in the lock that doesn't fit. It wasn't designed for it. You want to enjoy it to the fullest? Then look here. Now, for my response concerning the issues you've asked me to address, you wrote saying it is proper for man to live in celibacy, perhaps, but because of the danger of immorality, each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife, and each wife should have sexual intimacy with her husband. Neither the husband nor the wife have exclusive rights to their own body, but those rights are to be surrendered to others, to the other. So don't continue to refuse your spouse those rights, except perhaps my mutual agreement for a specified time so that you can both be devoted to prayer and then you should resume your physical pleasure so that the adversary cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of your body. You want to kind of summarize this into like one point. Paul's basically saying when you get married, have sex with each other. Not one time does Paul say, well, if you, you guys are engaged, go ahead and do it. No big deal. Well, if you guys have been dating for six months, go ahead and do it. No, 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 no. He says, as a husband or as a wife, when you're in the covenant of marriage, that's when you can do it. That's what your body was designed for. It's not designed for this. It's designed for marriage. So you want to enjoy it to the fullest. And why you're supposed to wait for marriage is because that's where it was designed to go. That's where it's designed to be. And we're trying to push it to something that it's not. I mean, God's all in favor of sex. It says here in Genesis 28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Make babies. That's my translation. Make babies. That's what he wants Adam and Eve to do. Make babies. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God creates the first man and the first woman, and he says, I want more people on this earth. So make babies. 
That's what I want you to do. This is the very beginning of Scripture, and so God is all in favor of it. I mean, I'm not going to give you the talk, but we probably all know mostly how babies are made, so there has to be something there. <coughs> and so now we're taking something that God is all in favor of. He's, he thinks is very valuable. Here's the design for it. And we say, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Sex is a powerful thing that we've turned into a normal thing. We've taken something so valuable, so deep, so precious, and we've said, we've made it like the iPod. It's just cheap now. Everybody can have access to it. Everybody can do it if they want. You don't have to wait till marriage. Why wait? If you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with that person, might as well. And we're giving our heart and soul to people in a very deep level. And it's getting broken, and it's not designed for that, and we can't handle it. And so we wonder why all these people are scared or timid to be in relationships because they've been broken time and time again. Sure, it's probably their fault too that they've chosen to go down that road. But we weren't designed to do something like that outside of the covenant of marriage. And we keep trying to put the key in the lock and it doesn't turn the lock. Why? I believe because we're so emotionally and physically driven how we feel. So if I feel like pushing that boundary, I'm going to do it. I want to experience it because everybody talks about it. The culture talks about it. It's so good. And then I do it and I go, wow, that really wasn't that good. Maybe because you're trying to do something that you weren't designed for outside of the covenant of marriage. So how do, we, how do we navigate this? If our design was for marriage, God's all for it. God sees something in, in sex that's valuable. What do we do? Well, here's an answer you probably won't like. Galatians 5.23, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these sins. My very simple answer, how do we navigate this tension, is self-control. Self-control. All I can do for you is bring to you what I see in Scripture. And I see us standing right here in the middle of this tension between God telling us, here's what your body was designed for. It was designed to have sex, but have sex in the covenant of marriage. The other side says, if you want to do it, if you feel like it, go ahead and do it because it's fun, it's enjoyable, and just live your life to the fullest. And so you're standing in this tension. You go, okay, this is what God says. The culture says that we're designed for this even though we weren't. And so now I'm in the middle, and, and, and I, I want to keep a high view of sex because I think a lot of times you'll hear in the church, we don't like to talk about sex. We don't have a high view of sex because it's just a weird thing to talk about. No, 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 no. God sees sex as such a valuable thing. Don't get a bad rap for sex. Yes, we don't like to talk about it. Yes, it can be weird. But inside the covenant of marriage, he says, do that. That's what you were designed for. So keep it that way. And so how do we navigate this? You've got to learn self-control. You've got to learn self-control. What does that mean? Well, that means if you're watching... A show you probably shouldn't watch. It's a little more provocative than you should see. You're seeing a little more than you probably shouldn't watch. You shut it off. That means you can't handle yourself as you're perusing the internet. 
you put blockers on. You put something that'll stop you from going to places you shouldn't. That means if you're dating somebody and you're getting close to towing that line, then you set boundaries and you don't move them. <clears throat> a lot of times I think what we like to do is we say, okay, here's the boundary, but now that I'm in the zone, now that I'm in the mood, now that I'm feeling and I love her so much, I'm just going to do it and we'll worry about it later and then you do it and then you're like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Set your boundaries and stick to them. Self-control says, hey, it's 8 o'clock, and I'm not staying past 8 because nothing good ever happens after dark. Self-control is seeing what God says, and he says, this is the design, and that doesn't mean you always have to agree with it. But self-control is saying, okay, I, I, I love God. I love this relationship. I want to obey him. I want to do what he calls me to. And so if that's the route I'm going to go, I'm going to exercise self-control because I want to follow what God says, even though I want to do the thing he tells me not to do. I'm going to exercise self-control. I'm going to say, okay, I, I, I'm not designed for that, so I'm going to listen. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And the older you get, it's going to get even tougher. You think now it might be hard if you're in a situation, wait till you get older. It's only going to get harder. And it takes you saying, I'm going to rest in what God's designed me to do and wait till marriage to do something that was designed for marriage. Anybody you talk to, including me and my wife, can tell you how disappointing it is to go against what God's plan is. To, to walk down the way the culture tells you that you should just do it. Who cares? You weren't designed to give your heart to multiple people. I think that's why we've gotten dating so screwed up too is because we get into these long intimate relationships and we break up and then we're like, I wasn't meant to give all my life and soul and emotions to that person. There's nothing wrong with going out on a date and saying, this was great, but after a couple of dates, I think we need to cut it off here. But what we're doing is we're getting involved in these relationships. They go down this long route, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves at the crossroads of, hey, should we just sleep together and do it? And we're like, well, I know we shouldn't, but at the same time I want to, and, and, and so we don't exercise that self-control. You were designed for something specific. God's laid it out to you. You now have to choose which path you're going to follow. I'm not going to be there for you when you're in your first relationship, sitting next to you on the couch telling you, hey, I think you're going a little too far there. It's going to be you and her. Hopefully your parents are there, but it's going to be you and her or you and him. You have to choose to exercise self-control and say, okay, I'm going to listen to what God says my body's designed for, and that's for the covenant of marriage. And so I am going to wait till then, and I will not move that boundary, and I'm not going to push any of those buttons. I'm going to keep it that way. Sex is valuable. Choose to listen to what God's design for our body is, not just because it's what the Bible says, don't have sex outside of marriage, you were created to do that in marriage. That's how you were created. Stop trying to put the key in the lock that's not going to turn it. See how valuable it really is. It's just like 
I've used this diamond before. Some of you can see, this is not a real diamond. Got it on Amazon like five bucks, okay? But you can see this diamond, it's a huge diamond. I was reading a little bit about diamonds and back in the day when they first found diamonds, a lot of the diamonds, they, they weren't very well cleaned, polished, carved. And so they would find these diamonds. And it, it, I was looking this morning and it said back in the 1960s, diamonds went for two, $2,700 a carat in the 1960s, whereas today they're $32,000 per carat. What was it that, that from 1960, when they first came across these diamonds, that they were only, you know, 3200 or whatever, I said $2,700 a carat to where they are today, $32,000 a carat? Well, there's a couple different factors. One, they started figuring out how to polish these things, how to, how to um, carve these things to make it look like this. Diamonds don't just magically come out of the ground like this, if you didn't know that. It'd be nice if they did, but they don't. They don't come out like this, so they started being able to clean them, polish them, carve them. But I think the biggest thing that I read this morning is that they also are very limited. There's not a ton of these around the world anymore. And so the reason the price is going up is because they're far more valuable than they were 50, 60 years ago because there were so many of them. We need to start seeing sex like this diamond. That it is so expensive that it takes time for you to save up money. It takes energy to put, put time and effort in to make that money to save up so you can get that diamond someday. And you may never even get it. But you're going to wait till you save up that $32,000 so you can get it. Because it's valuable. Saying sex, I'm going to wait till what God's designed you for, and that's marriage. It's so valuable, I don't want to try to buy a knockoff version of it. Because it's not going to be worth it. Sex is valuable. You have to choose if you're going to see it that way. 